We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a Friday night edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Let's jump right into a loaded night in the Big Ten Conference. A huge Saturday is ahead. That's highlighted by Auburn. And Kentucky, could it be the biggest home game for Auburn basketball in modern history? Ranked second in the country. Welcome in the Wildcats. We'll talk with Tigers standout Wendell Green in this hour. He has been a game changer for Auburn. I'm John Fanta. Coach TO22, Terrence Oglesby is here tonight. CBB Central, Kevin Sweeney is coming to us from the Windy City. Sween, good evening, my friend. In the Big Ten tonight, uh, we've got quite the finish coming between Wisconsin and Michigan State's party trying to win at the call center. And earlier this evening, the Maryland Terrapins show that they could be a spoiler in this league, beating a Kofi Coburn-less fighting Illini. Yeah, I mean, that was that was surprising. I think just given the lack of fight, I think we've seen from Maryland at times. I mean, this team was thoroughly uncompetitive earlier this week against Michigan. And I think, again, I, I think you can blame maybe the fact that Illinois coming off an emotional game, a you know, double overtime game against Purdue. And do you get up for that game on the road? But there's 20 games you got to win them. And Illinois didn't, didn't show up today. And again, they didn't have Coburn. They're a different team without him. You know, 25 Benjamin Bosman's for Donk minutes generally is not going to go well. Uh, but that is a a bad loss for an Illinois team that wants to contend for a Big Ten championship. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. What did we learn from this game? Uh, we learned that Illinois is not very good without Kofi Gobern. That's something we already knew. I mean, Maryland just took advantage of that matchup. I thought Kudus Wahab for Maryland, who's had a hard time at points during this season, I thought he was good tonight. And Dante Scott, whenever he's able to drive to the basket and there's no rim protection, he can be good. And I was actually happy for the players at Maryland. Those guys have gone through a lot this season. And I, I, I threw a tweet out there talking about Maryland's crowd support. Like the people on the side, the people that were attending, they applauded the effort. That's what I was referring to. Not that there were 16,000 people there. I was referring to this is an intelligent fan base. Those guys played well tonight. Now, Illinois, that's a disappointing loss. You expect more from Andre Corbello. You finally get him back. You're expecting a spark whenever you can't get anything initiated offensively because Coburn's not there. Where was all this at? And it's a disappointing one. I think there was a little bit of a hangover effect coming from uh, their loss at home against Purdue. But like, 
like Sweeney said, like you, you have, you have to play every game in conference. And these are the dog days of conference time, mid January to about mid February before the tournament starts ramping up tournament talk starts ramping up. This is when your legs are hurting, your lower backs hurt a little bit. You guys are complaining. This is that time of year and you have to be mentally tough enough to get out of. Dante Scott goes for 25 points in this game. And I am in agreement with you. Those Maryland players deserve better than what they've gotten this season. Mark Turgeon was going through stuff, but needless to say, you have your coach have leave your after coach eight games. I'm not sure what you, what your plan could have been and what your mentality could have been after that type of adversity, guys. But I look at this game, and to your point, T.O., Maryland wins this game and shows what College Park can be on a night like this. Kevin, big picture here, because when we get to Final Four week, this is going to be one of the top storylines. Where's Maryland going to go with this hire? Who will they bring in? I ask you this. In 2022, where would you rank the Maryland head coaching job in college basketball, Kevin? That's a tough question. I think it's a top 25 job. I don't think I it's agree. a top, I don't think it's a top 15 job. I think Maryland people probably believe it is. You know, I, I think obviously the value is in the recruiting base and the value is in the fan base, but I, I think you see even the resources don't even match up now to some of these massive football powerhouses. I think the gap has grown and look, Maryland's going to have more money to spend than they spent on Mark Turgeon, I think, because you know, when you fire up the boosters, they can, you know, go into the couch cushions and find a few extra hundred thousand dollars to pay a coach. But look, I mean, like with what we're seeing Nate Oates do last year at Alabama, what we're seeing Bruce Pearl, who we'll get to later on in this, this hour, uh, do at Auburn, those jobs feel like they have a lot of appeal right now. And I'm not sure a place like Maryland where it's such a pressure cooker, there's so much expectation, there's so much pressure to get, not, not just get kids, but get certain kids, certain Maryland kids, there's a lot of tricky stuff about this job that I think mm. it takes the right person mentally to handle. I think there's someone out there to do it, but it's tough. It, it's tough to find that name right now. And that's why I think it's not quite the elite job that some people believe it is. Hmm. How big's the Maryland Brinks truck is really what it's going to come <laughs> down to. I mean, that red and black Brinks truck, like how big is it? That's what, I mean, that's when you're going up and you're competing against ACC or SEC money, not ACC money, SEC money to get some of these coaches like Bruce, Pre like Goodman's brought up Bruce Pearl several times. I think that would be a match made in heaven. He went to school in the Northeast, recruits everybody. There's a certain energy and a certain flair about him that could handle the, the pressure and the fan base and, and all those things. He, they, he would flourish up there. But Why would he Auburn, leave Auburn? Why would he leave Auburn? Because, depending on the size of the Brinks truck, like that would be the only thing I would guess. And I, to be honest with you, I don't understand why he would because he's made a home down there. He's turned Auburn into a basketball school, but it's a tough job for the fact that one, you have to get that certain kind of kid. It's, it's a little bit like Texas in that matter. And you saw how Rick Barnes and Shaka struggle with that a little bit. You got to get a certain kind of kid. You got to win the off season too. And that's important at Maryland. And another thing is guys, they're in the wrong league. Like, now you're recruiting different kids to play against Wisconsin as opposed to playing Duke and Carolina. Yeah. And I and think but, there's something to be said there. And that's why it might be more 35-40-ish in reality. I mean, I think that on its best day, it's a top 25 job. Hmm. It's no longer a top 15 job in the sport, even on its best day. 
that job has shifted because they, they they are not in the proper league when you think of Maryland basketball. It's just it just doesn't align. It doesn't align. We'll see. I'm interested to see. I don't know why Bruce Pearl uh, would would leave. I, I'm going to give you a, a name that's a bit of a curveball. Johns Hopkins grad, Andy Enfield. I'm hearing he's high on the list, Kevin. I mean, I think the thing with Enfield would be that he has the experience recruiting an elite caliber player. And obviously you'll remember Nevin Mobley, but Onyeka Okongwu and Kevin Porter Jr. And, you know, the list goes on and on. Even, you know, some of the early classes he had were really good. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who's going to be a powerhouse in recruiting, Andy Enfield, and look, Andy Enfield knows to hire the right people to get players, right? I mean, look, he hired Evan and Isaiah Mobley's father to get Evan and Isaiah Mobley. But Evan and Isaiah Mobley's father is also very well connected with the Compton Magic. And the Compton Magic is a place you to recruit if you're at USC. And at Maryland, you need to be able to recruit Team Takeover and you need to be able to recruit, you know, DC Premier and you need to be able to recruit some of these elite programs in that area. I think if Andy Enfield got the job, I think if anyone gets that job, it's going to be a prerequisite. They bring someone with them on staff or two people, quite frankly, who are very well connected. And I think Andy's probably proven I, I, it's a it's a huge quality of life swing. I mean, a huge difference in terms of pressure. You, you want to talk about no, no, no people in your ear telling you what you need to do. The USC basketball job. I mean, does, does, does anyone care? I mean, I mean, I mean, how much does he love crab cakes? Like, like that would be the, the big question, question. LA or DC and crab I think cakes or 70 well, degrees and sunny every day. But like if you just, here, here's the difference. If at USC, you could make a final four and yeah. you still won't hold a candle to football doing anything of significance. Now that's true. That's a hundred percent true. And that, that goes back, John, that goes back to Pearl too. Now that, that goes back to Bruce Pearl as well with Auburn. That's a football school. Typically speaking. I think, I think there's a difference though in the college towns versus these massive pro towns, right? USC Bingo. football even becomes irrelevant when USC football is enrolling. I, yeah. I think, you know, I, I will say this, if I'm Maryland, I'm very careful about hiring someone who hasn't experienced being in that pressure cooker. And I think, you know, Bruce Pearl being at Tennessee, he has that experience, right? I I think you have to be very careful because one of the things that I think held Mark Turgeon back, not just, you know, in terms of his success, but also with the fan base was he was not an engaging guy. He was a ball coach. He was a guy who wanted to be in the gym with his guys. He didn't want to be going to booster dinners and talking to people, you know, all the time. And, And again, you have to do that if you want to have a job like Maryland, but like he, you have to navigate so much off the court. And I think if you're, if you're hiring there, it's like hiring a CEO. It's beyond what can they do in basketball. So, you know, that, that would be one of my biggest concerns with Enfield is right. I mean, he's, he's certainly, you know, well-connected. He had a, a successful career in business before he wound up in, in basketball. So you, you'd imagine he'd, he'd speak to those types of people, but I, I don't know that he screams the energy that a place like Maryland needs, right? I, I just don't I don't think of him as that guy. And that's why I think Bruce, again, if you can convince Bruce Pearl, and I think the biggest sell with Bruce would be, hey, if you do this at Maryland, you will be remembered forever. Your your mem- your legacy, it's a legacy move because he's he's already accomplished everything he can accomplish at Auburn. I mean, whether he wins a national championship this year or not, he's got him to a potential number one team in the country. He took him to a final four. He took him to, you know, he, he's getting number one recruits in the country. He can do everything he wants to do at Auburn. So it, it, it would be more about do it at a big basketball job where it matters more. And I think that's the question. I, I personally don't think Bruce will make that move. Sure. But I think if that if, if you're looking for the sell, that's the sell. Let's move back to Illinois. Yes. 
I think that this is a team that's much more fit in the second weekend realm than where we might have thought or where some people were saying 10 week, ten days ago. And even at the start of the season, this could be a Final Four caliber team. They're a lot closer right now to the first, second round than they are to a Final Four. And not just because of the fact that tonight they lose the game. But guys, I watch how easily, how easily Purdue was able to play through the post on Monday and how easily they were able to execute their stuff down the stretch. On the defensive end of the floor, Illinois has issues. You give up 81 points, I don't care who's out there. Against Maryland, you give up 81, there's some issues there. And I just think, like, we saw Viola Chicago be able to expose the weaknesses of Kofi Coburn on the NCAA tournament stage last year. Kofi Coburn is not the end-all, be-all answer to all of Illinois' problems if they want to be a team that's making it to New Orleans. It's got to go beyond that. And Andre Curbelo limited in this game. They need Andre Curbelo to be at his best. But even then, like I, with, with the fighting Illini, they're not deep enough offensively, in my mind, T.O., for them to do what they did in this game on the defensive end of the floor. Their defense had had no resistance to the Maryland Terrapins. Well, because there was no there was nobody to protect the rim. I thought Coleman Hawkins was going to be better throughout the course of the year. I thought that was a guy that was going to be able to take a step. He had a lot of skill. You kind of wondered when he was going to take off, and he was going to be the beneficiary of being a pick-and-pop four-man with Corbello. But Corbello has struggled. I mean, you, you look at their roster. I, the last two games I think you can take with a grain of salt. Because what Illinois does really well is establish Kofi Coburn. What Purdue does really well is establish Zach Eady. And Zach Eady is much bigger than Kofi Coburn. And I'm not quite sure that I'm willing to take that away from Illinois just because what they're best at is also what Purdue's best at. And I'm not sure they'll play in the tournament. I don't, it, there's not, it's not that often that conference foes play against each other in the tournament. So I feel like he's a matchup nightmare for anybody. Now, Krutwig was a problem. But I'm not. There's how many Crutwigs are there this year that can really step out and and handle him the way? Yeah, but do, do you trust Illinois? Like I, I have no. issues. Okay, so it's not just matchup oriented. It's who they are. It, it is. It's who they are. And after and guys, Coburn's going to get in foul trouble. Who's behind him? And they have size behind him, and they still couldn't protect the rim. That's the issue. Because he's going to get in foul trouble because the way he plays, he's so big and noticeable. Every time he walks out on the floor, eyes go directly to him. There's going to be times he gets in foul trouble, period. Who's going to be behind him to help him out? And he gets in foul trouble against Purdue in the first half. Obviously, he has he doesn't play tonight, so you can see what, what kind of team they are. And their bigs aren't – their backup bigs aren't ready. I, I will say this. I think everything you guys have both said is right. Their defense has to be better. They have to find more of an identity outside of Kofi. I've talked to people inside of this Illinois program, and the feeling was like they built an offense around ball screens for Curbelo and Coburn in the preseason. That was, that was yeah. the offense, was spread the floor with Plummer and, and Frazier and Williams and Grandison and, and play 1-5 pick and roll and, and be really dominant in that. And then Kofi gets the three-game NIL suspension. Carbello's all of a sudden trying to play pick and roll with Omar Payne. We got to rip up the playbook. Carbello's yeah. the super high usage guy. Then Kofi gets back. Carbello gets hurt. Carbello's on the shelf. 
they completely remake their offense yet again so that they can play through Frazier and Plummer. It's less ball screens. It's more off-ball shooter stuff to get Plummer and Frazier looks, right? And again, that worked very well. They're rolling. They're, you know, start 6-0 in the Big Ten. All of a sudden, you bring back Curbell. You have one great game where you're playing a little bit of the ball screen stuff and a little bit of the off-ball stuff. And all of a sudden, you lose Kofi for a game. We'll see if this is a longer-term thing. We hope not. Uh, and you have to, you know, tear up the playbook yet again. And I think at some point, there's just been so much up and down with this team that we haven't seen them consistently at full strength. I thought they played a whale of a ball game against Purdue. I really did. I thought they battled for 50 minutes. They made shots. Corbello was terrific. You know, with Kofi in foul trouble, Bosman's Verdonk played the best game of his life. I mean, it was really exciting um, to see it as someone who is a believer in this Illinois team. But I just, I, I think well, at some point believe. they have, I do believe, I, I do. I think if they can consistently get this group together and, and build it out on the court, build the chemistry, they're going to be really special. And at times we've seen it. It's just a matter of, they just haven't had enough opportunities on the floor. And, and today was just, you know, another step back because you didn't have Kofi. Yeah. And, and like we talked about this in Michigan state, Wisconsin's going down to the wire folks feel 68 after dark. We're here with you on YouTube and Twitter, jump in the chat. Are you buying Illinois? We want to hear and see your answers and we'll try to get to some of those. And if you have a question for one of the guys, we're going to get to Saturday slate in a little bit on the show. And we've got trust or bust. Coming up, producer Dagan Hughes is determined to finish at the cup tonight with trust or bust. Do you trust LSU? Do you trust Seton Hall? We're going to get to all that. Um, like, I I want to. I want to trust Illinois because I think that when they're at their best, they're, they are as fun of a team as anybody in the sport because of the personality and the swagger in which Curbelo plays and the towering presence of Kofi Coburn and big shot maker Trent Frazier. I allude back to what Terrence said. He expected Coleman Hawkins, who, by the way, was excellent at Marquette in November. And mm -hmm. I thought with Coburn suspended, maybe Coleman Hawkins is going to be able to take over. Uh, Bozeman's Verdonk is another guy who you'd like to see continue to keep the rhythm that we saw, what they found in, in overtime and double overtime because of Coburn's foul trouble. There, there seems to be guys that could fit the billing, but it's hard to Sweeney's point when you build so much around these two focal point players. And let's not forget Terrence. You still lost Ayo Desumu. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I was really high. I like Trent Frazier is a really good player. And I thought he, I think he's been really good. I, I think, Illinois ceiling was based on the fact that Corbello was going to be good. And then whenever I saw him in major minutes at the beginning of the season, I got really nervous because it was like the emotion was too much for him. And I've made this comparison before and I'll make it again. He's more JJ Berea than he is Jason Kidd because he's really good in spurts, but he's so emotional. He can let it get away from him. That's another thing that bothers me, but I think Trent, like he, he's, he settles them down quite a bit. Yeah. Again, I, th I think with, with the recipe they had against Purdue, which was at times we can let Andre cook in, in a pick and roll and he can distribute and, and get to the rim and get to his floater game. You're going to live with the good and the bad, but I think the good is going to outweigh the bad, just like it did last year when he was this kind of super six man for them. I think the problem for Illinois is when Andre Carbello is a super high usage guy. And that's just something that has not worked well for them. It didn't work well for them against Marquette. It didn't work well for them against uh, Cincinnati early in the season. If the ball is in Andre Curbelo's hands every single possession, they're going to struggle. But 
there is an unlock. You can unlock the best of Andre Carbello. We saw it against, uh, against Purdue uh, on Monday. And that's why I'm still a believer, especially when you consider how good Frazier, how good Plummer ha- have been, how good uh, Jacob Grandison can be stretching the floor. And then obviously uh, Coburn on, down in the middle. Michigan State just beats Wisconsin. We're going to be heading over to Sirius XM Channel 84 very shortly. Max Christie and Tyson Walker go for 12 apiece, and the Spartans bench puts up a big night in this game with a total of 43 of the team's 86 points. So you get half your scoring off the bench. Malik Hall was great in this game. I think that we talked about him from the early part of the season. He's going to have to be a guy that gives them buckets uh, and, and have to be a guy that they can rely on in the scoring column. Malik Hall goes 7 of 11 in this game. He puts up 14 points. And the Spartans make a statement in Madison. T.O., the immediate reaction to this, does it say more to you about Michigan State or more about Wisconsin? Well, I, I love the way this Michigan State plays because the, the way they play with their length on the perimeter, they gave Johnny Davis fits. Like he started out the game two for nine. I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to find the stats right now. He's, he ended up, uh, they threw so many different types of defenders and types of bodies. Like sometimes it would be Gabe Brown, super long, super athletic. Then they throw Max Christie, same kind of ordeal. Then it'd be Tyson Walker getting up underneath and they constantly kept him off balance. This Izzo team, a lot of people picked him six, seven, eight. In the preseason, man, they are tough. They are athletic. They have shooting. I think Gabe Brown has had a good year uh, leading them in scoring. But the guy that it seems like they go to when they need a bucket, when they need a turnaround, I think it, during tournament time, it's going to be Max Christie. He's going to get there. But the guy they're going to right now has been Malik Hall. And what you would say he ended up 7 of 11? Yep. It's pretty good. And they can put him in the mid post and he can operate. If he can be a go-to scorer for them, great news. And Joey Hauser, when he's good – Michigan State's really, really good. It's just he hasn't been good consistently enough to really have consistent playing time. But defensively is where this Michigan State team uh, can really bother people. Hey, this is Feel the 68 After Dark. We are with you on Sirius XM Channel 84. Good evening, everybody, to all of you who just listened to Michigan State's win over Wisconsin. The Spartans take it 86-74, to a big win for Tom Izzo's group to go to 15-3. and So we're here with you now on Sirius XM 84. I'm John Fanta, your host. We have Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. We have... Terrence Oglesby, he's all over Bally Sports, an ACC Network contributor, and here with us on the field of 68. The Spartans beat Wisconsin. Kevin Sweeney, what does this say about Michigan State? Well, I, I certainly think it says that you never want to play uh, a Tom Izzo coach team that has four or five days off after a loss, especially <laughs> a home loss to Northwestern. You know, they came out and, and there was a, a focus after the first like four minutes when Wisconsin blitzed them to an 8-0 run. There was a focus and an energy and a crispness to how they ran their sets offensively that I have not seen from Michigan State really all season long. It, it was extremely impressive, you know, to put 86 points on this, this Wisconsin defense. They were able to get out and run when they wanted to. They were able to run their stuff in the half court. It, it, was, it was a huge performance. It was everything you wanted to see from them bouncing back. And look, I, I will say this. It had felt for a while like Michigan State was due for a due for a loss. Before that Northwestern game, they had you know, let, let some teams that shouldn't have hung around with them hang around. And I think sometimes you need the wake-up call to come in the form of a loss instead of a victory. And they finally got their wake-up call, 
And, and today you saw what good Michigan State can be, which is a really balanced team that has, you know, big time athletes, two through four, two through five. They got an engaged Marcus Bingham. They got an engaged Malik Hall. Uh, they got some huge bench contributions. I thought A.J. Hogard was really good in this game. Uh, obviously, Walker played a solid game at the point as well. I mean, this was the balanced Michigan State team that has a legitimate nine men who can be starters that we wanted to see. And we've seen it a couple times. We haven't seen it every night mm. for Michigan State. This was a huge performance. And Terrence, the same cannot necessarily be said. It can't be said about the Wisconsin Badgers because – we know they rely on Johnny Davis to be in top form. And the fact is, Johnny Davis goes for 25 points, which might make you say, okay, he did what his what he needed to do. He's going to go for 25 in the blink of an eye. The key, it took him 20 field goal attempts to get to that 25, T.O. Yeah, and we were alluding to it right before we jumped on to XM Radio. Uh, welcome to those who are listening. But they just they could throw so many different types of bodies at him and that threw him off rhythm but one thing to keep in mind too guys Michigan State out rebounded him by 19 and that is old school Tom Izzo we're going to beat you up on the glass and we're going to get out and run and they were able to do that and got we've had him on the show before Max Christie's starting to figure it out like a couple of shots that he hit today where he got a guy on his hip, he hit a tough floater right in the lane. And it was pretty to watch because he, he didn't have the guy quite beat, but he was holding leverage. And for somebody skinny to finally figure out, out how to do that, that's a big step. And some of the shots he's hitting, he's changing directions on a spot. That kid is going to be – I hope he stays for more than one year. I think he's going to start creeping in, in some conversations, especially come towards the end of the year when he really figures it out. I hope he stays one more season, but – Man, he's really, really talented. And I think one thing we haven't really taken into account is when Michigan State uh, is playing well offensively, defensively, they're going to compete. They don't have that big, rugged, big 10 five man. They don't have that. But there's a bunch of tough guys around that five that can recover if they have to jump in and help, for well, example, on a Kofi Coburn. Well, where do you where do you categorize Marcus Bingham Jr.? He's not, he's not a traditional big, beefy big. He's not in the mold of Hunter Dickinson. He's not in the mold of Zach Eady or Kofi Cobra. He's, he's a skilled five. Is he going to score some around the basket? Sure, because he's really long and athletic, but he's not going to live down there. He's kind of a guy that they're going to have out on the perimeter, dribble handoff, roll, operate in space. Not somebody you're going to throw it down and beat people up with. That's kind of what I'm referring to. Mm. But one thing I think is really worth noting in this game is Wisconsin didn't have Tyler Wall. And I think Tyler Wall Huge. is one of the most underrated players in the country and really underrated for his value to Wisconsin. I've seen Wisconsin now five times in person. I saw him uh, at Northwestern this week. I saw him against Purdue. I saw him in Vegas. Tyler Wall is maybe the most underappreciated player in college basketball. He does everything for them. He uh, passes out of the high post in, in kind of those, you know, he does in. everything. Hey, hey yes. Kev, I'm sorry. He no. does everything else. Yes. Whatever else is. That's what Tyler Wall does. And that's needed when you have the guy that's doing it. You have two guys that are really doing the things that are really noticeable in Davison and Davis. Obviously, they're going to score a ton. But Tyler Wall does everything else to kind of com compound on your point. Like, he is a really good third guy to run some offense through because, like, he does all those little other, uh, other little things that mean so much to a team trying to get wins in a tough conference. And he's been playing the best basketball of his career the last four games. He had 16 yeah. against Iowa, 21 against Maryland, 20 against Ohio State, 14 against Northwestern, a double-double with 11 rebounds and four assists. I mean, he has been really, really good for them. 
and to replace him with Ben Carlson. I think they certainly felt that on the boards. I think they felt that with their offensive game plan, because he, he can really pass out of the post uh, when, when they post him up, Ben Carlson wasn't as comfortable there. And I thought you saw Michigan state really, you know, emphasize keeping the ball out of the post and forcing Wisconsin to beat them with jump shooters. And look, Brad Davis had a good day shooting the ball. Michigan state did a very good job of, slowing John Davis down, right? I mean, we say he slowed him down. He still had 25 points. He still had an excellent game. That's who Johnny is. He's one of the best, if not the best player in the country. Uh, but that was the formula. And I think it, it would have been a much harder formula to execute if Tyler Wall was out there. Yeah, and Jade Nakins gave them a double-figure performance as well. You good. talked about – yeah, he was very good. He, this is the difference for Sparty tonight. Their depth and their rebounding ability. Wisconsin – could end up going deeper than Michigan State in the NCAA tournament because Wisconsin has someone who could win National Player of the Year. But on this night, you take Tyler Wall, Mr. Little Things, on the equation. And, T.O., you know what happens when a team is without their man who takes care of everything that you might see but you probably won't even see just how much he does by looking at a, at a box score. And I thought Wisconsin was missing their edge tonight. Like when you think Wisconsin at the Kohl Center, you think of a team that is going to punch you in the mouth and that is going to do all the little things. They were missing that tonight in Wall. Michigan State still has to win this game, but the Spartans showed us that reports in November that their backcourt is still lackluster and pedestrian. That's not the case. Tom Izzo's got guard play, and he's got some depth in guard play. Well, A.J. Hogard, he's top five in the country in assist rate. Like, and he had eight tonight and four boards, and he's doing it, pushing the pace, using his big, strong body to get in the lane. He's athletic enough to finish, and he's turned into – he's got pretty good vision. And that was one of the big concerns for us, especially after coming out of the Champions Classic. Like, where are they going to get better there? Where are they going to get better? You're going to see flashes of him and Tyson Walker. They've turned out to be able to kind of play off each other. Kevin, you alluded to it, like – First half, uh, it gets Northwestern, one of them played well, and then the other one played well the next half. Like, it, it, pick pick the one that's playing well that night. And sometimes that's hard, and you want that one guy that you can just call and rely on. But it, it's nice to have a backup plan, too. Both of those guys uh, played well tonight. Kevin, we've got a break in about less than a minute, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. Each, I'll start with you, Sweeney. After this wild five days, Briefly, top three in the Big Ten at the moment. That's a challenging question. I, I still think number one, Purdue, number two, Wisconsin, and number three, let's go with Indiana. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I like that. Okay. T.O.? Uh, uh, there's one team in that conference with uh, one loss, and that's Michigan State. I hate to throw that out there. So you throw them in. The, I'm not – no particular order in the top three. Michigan State – let me go. Uh, you know what? Throw Indiana in there because my man Rob Fantasy went berserk. And so throw Indiana in there. And then um, I'm still on the Purdue train, guys. It's going to be hard to get me off that train. It's going to be hard. I think they're going to keep growing and keep developing as a team. Jaden Ivey's going to figure it out come March. You wait and watch. And it's going to be glorious. Purdue, Michigan State. And I will leave Wisconsin because of Davis in there. We haven't talked much about Ohio State. Uh, But, look, they got E.J. Liddell. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting Big Ten race after a wild couple of days in this conference. It is deep as heck at the top. 
We take a timeout here on Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. Coming up, we welcome an Auburn star. I'm talking about Wendell Green Jr. Previewing a big Saturday showdown between the Tigers and Kentucky. Stay with us here on Sirius XM 84. We're clear. Have you seen what's going on at Auburn right now? <laughs> no, the, I have not. The tense. Yeah. I'm about to. Sh I'm about to send it to you. This is. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. I'll retweet it and then put you guys in it. That it is unbelievable the energy going on right now. Well, the the tickets are more expensive to those ball games, but to the, yeah. this game tomorrow than any Auburn football game this year. The fans are. I will say that that is the one thing about those college town jobs. You're at Alabama, you're at Auburn, wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, do we have any questions uh, on YouTube, uh, Mr. Fanta? Well, I'm going to check. What I'm watching right now, which is why I sort of took a pause, was Penny Hardaway has issued an apology. Mm. Saying yep. we're going to get through this together. He let his emotions get to him last night. To his players, let's keep fighting on. So Penny Hardaway issuing an apology just now, uh, earlier tonight on Instagram Live. And I'll tell you what, um, we'll talk about this coming on the break on Sirius XM 84, guys. But look, it's not surprising to see Penny Hardaway apologize because he was out of line last night. The fact is this. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. Good evening, everybody. College basketball Saturday is on the way. A huge one. We will be talking Auburn, Kentucky, a massive, massive game at Auburn tomorrow. And to preview it, we've got Wendell Green Jr., who's coming off a 12-point, 11-assist performance in the Tigers' win over Georgia earlier this week. He's coming up here on Sirius XM Channel 84. John Fanta, Kevin Sweeney, Terrence Oglesby with you. And guys, in the last hour, Memphis head coach Penny Hardaway issued an apology on Instagram and apologizing for what happened last night after the Tigers lost to SMU a Memphis team that was shorthanded in the game, a Memphis team that has been the furthest thing from cohesive from the start of the season, and Penny Hardaway basically dropped some words to the media, questioned them, attacked them, made some comments that were out of bounds, and Snidey apologizes via IG. Kevin Sweeney, what's your temperature and what's happening at Memphis and, and what could come out of this season. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge, right. Is at this point, you know, the, the situation and, and the vibe, I guess the, the vibe is kind of a, a lame word to use, but I mean, the vibe out of Memphis is just so broken that I, I just don't know how you fix it. I think there's, there's so much negativity. Uh, there's so much frustration inside the locker room. It seems there's so many differing agendas you know, I, I just don't see how this thing gets fixed. I think um, the bigger problem for me is, you know, if you're, if you're Penny Hardaway, you're trying to lead, you're trying to set an example for these, you know, 
18 year olds, right? Like one of the biggest things he said in this press conference was like, I've got 17, 18, 19 year olds and SMU's got 22, 23, 24 year olds and we're trying to learn. Right. And if that, if that's how you feel, then you've played in the NBA, set an example for these guys about how to take a loss, about how to manage a situation like this, because Every, every basketball player is going to go through a, a, a bad chemistry locker room at some point. Every basketball player is going to go through an, a disappointing season at some point. And I, I, thought, I, I think my biggest frustration with how Penny handled things last night was he didn't set a good example for those guys that are trying to learn. And, and the reason why those kids committed to come to play, play, for, play for Penny at Memphis was because he sold them on how he's going to teach them how to be professionals. And that goes beyond you know, teaching Imani Bates how to navigate ball screens or how to navigate – you know, his Twitter hate, right? It, 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 it is about how you carry yourself. And Penny Hardaway did not carry himself as a professional last night. And it was disappointing for me as someone who has, I, I think, believed in Penny, uh, who believed in this program coming into the season. I, I just wanted to see a leader in that spot, and I didn't see it. I'm glad he's apologizing. And, you know, I, I hope that the rest of the way he leads this group. And, and because, again, there's talent here to, to start turning things in a more positive direction. But I don't think when that's the message from your leader, after you have a, a difficult loss like that, that, that is a good indication that things are going to turn in the positive direction anytime. Soon. When, when is Penny lost? And when I, when I say that, I mean, like in generalities, not necessarily when is he lost in games? When is Penny ever lost? And this is the first time in, in Penny's, well, he, you know, he had injuries in the NBA, but he was remarkably, he was, it was remarkable that he was able to still turn into a pretty consistent career as a role player doing his job. That was, that was in my mind, a win over something that he couldn't, he couldn't overcome because knees are knees. And, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whenever it was, he played that you didn't come back from those things. When has he lost coaching? He hasn't. Now, let me say this college basketball is the first place that he's coached for having more talent than the other teams, just not enough. And I think that's significant, and I think it's big because that's why he's frustrated. He's never lost. When it He's always had more talent than the other team. He still has more talent. I don't care if two people sat out or not against SMU. He still had more talent than the team they were playing. He's frustrated. has a lot to do with that. But as far as uh, it's, it's, part, it's part of it that he's going to come in. Now, the F-bombs and all that stuff, I understand what, what you're saying there, Kev, Kev. But, like, for the most part, I understand why he's upset. Like – don't disrespect me, but at the same time, you come in. I, I feel like I said this last night, but I'm just going to say it again. You want all the smoke. You're getting all the smoke. How do you deal with the smoke? A lot of smoke. And there's so much smoke coming out of every end of Memphis right now that, like, they don't know what to do. Like, where's Sheed? Nobody knows where Sheed's at. I mean, some people know. But you get what I'm saying? Like, the dysfunctional roster, dysfunctional coaching staff, a lot going on. Like, it's 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 a – I'm not going to say dumpster fire, but it's close. It's close. Here's the facts. Penny Hardaway was given the keys to this program. He was told, go run with it. Resurrect Memphis basketball. Mm. It was such a Hollywood script that it appears too good to, to be true. It's the furthest thing from that right now. And at the end of the day, he's apologizing tonight. Because last night's comments were out of line in that you have to point to yourself yes, as to why this isn't going well. And this goes back to former players, all-time greats. 
taking on the head coaching role at the college level, the way that you went through your college experience slash pro experience is not the way that the majority of the people you're coaching, regardless if they're, I'm not even talking about Imani Bates and Jalen Durant. I'm talking about your role players. What they're going through, the relatability there is not in sync. And in 2022, everybody's walking in, believing that they are getting their ticket and going straight to the association in some way, shape, or form. But you're Penny Hardaway. You know who out of the group's going, but so does Tom Izzo. The difference is those guys, meaning a guy like Izzo, a guy like Bob Huggins, um, uh, a guy like Jay Wright, a guy like Greg McDermott at Creighton, those guys have a better relatability with what their players' pathways are than a guy who has never lost, was damn good enough that he never lost, but doesn't exactly understand what his seventh or eighth best player is even going through, and the idea of that conversation being relatable, it just doesn't translate. He struggled with role definition, too. Like he's he struggled telling his guys. That's exactly what you're alluding to. I mean, it, it simple like simple two words. Role definition is all that that you just said in such a poetic fashion. Is it, it's like he's never been that other guy. Like Penny was never that other guy in college. And no. in a time where every guy is trying to get drafted, if you go to Memphis, you're trying to get drafted. We understand. We understand how this is going to go. It's you're not everybody's going to get drafted, even on the best teams. Like, so it's, it's hard for him to be able to, to do that, but you have to get those other guys that aren't as significant in the point column to completely buy in. Look at Tyler wall. We just talked about him earlier, Wisconsin. Like you need guys like that. Memphis doesn't have guys like that. And they don't have a point guard, but that's not what we're talking about. They don't have those extra guys that the, the do everything else guys. They don't have that. Hmm. Kevin, how does this end up? I think it ends with an an exodus this offseason, right? And I don't, I don't know if that will be – I think it certainly will involve players. I think it will involve coaching staff members as well. Um, quite honestly, there's a chance it involves Penny Hardaway. I, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out at this point. But, but to me, I think, you know, they're going to have to clean house. And I think one of the interesting things is you saw Memphis last year build a roster that was more built around some transfers, some multi-year guys. And I think they had a group of guys that by the end of the year were playing for one another and they were buying into roles and, and they were talented enough to be really, really good, but they were also cohesive and together and not everyone, you know, having their own agenda. And, and I think this should be a lesson for Penny, right. And, and it, assuming he gets another opportunity to, uh, to build this roster again, to say, look, we we don't need four first round picks. We need enough guys who can, you know, we 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 need an all conference guy, probably two all conference guys. We need some guys who can buy in. We need some Tyler Walls, right? And and I think if if Penny has the and his staff have the humility to go out and, and say, we don't need to chase 
the marketing. We don't need to chase the brand and, and try to sell Memphis as this you know NBA factory. We need to focus on winning this ball game. I think that you know maybe they can turn it around, but. I think this season ends and there will be a lot of guys headed to the pros, headed to the portal, headed to other schools. I can't see this thing running back next year. Hmm. It's a fascinating situation that's happening at Memphis and how it all turns out uh, will be something to watch with Penny Hardaway who issued an apology tonight to Memphis fans in the country after his comments last night after the Tigers lost to SMU. This is Feel the 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84. John Fanta, Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney, the great Terrence Oglesby with his Clemson jersey right behind him, ready for a big Saturday in college hoops. We're going to set the table for you for a big Saturday in college hoops on the other side in the conference where they say it just means more folks. LSU is going to head to Tennessee on Saturday in a top 25 showdown. I'll tell oh. you what, we've got another one in Kentucky and Auburn in a top 15 game. And we've got <laughs> Wendell green jr. I'm so excited. I almost just fell out of my chair. It's on the other side here on after dark. No way that just happened. Here for 90? <laughs> All right. Okay. What we got? So, All right. So, so we, guys, look, everybody, we need somebody to ask some questions. We're in between breaks. We're going to talk uh, whatever you guys want to talk about. Big wins tonight, big matchups this weekend. Make sure you, we, we can go back and forth with you. I'll talk a little shit with you. We'll be ready to go. Can we please just discuss briefly the fact that Fanta just fell out of his chair? I did. <laughs> I, I fell out of my chair because I'm so excited for this college basketball Saturday. It'll be great. Um, it's going to be a great weekend. What is going on at Auburn? Because I see the video and it's, I'm in disbelief. It's but He's effectively turned it into Krzyzewskiville. Now, they, they've raised some money to bring him blankets and all everything like that. Like People are camping out. That is that makes it that's so great, like to have that happening. Like there was a couple of years ago, I'm just going to call it out. Like Clemson went to an electronic lottery ticket system. It's the worst because what happens is is people are going to win those tickets that are kind of indifferent. Back in thirty, like you can't do that. Like if you're going to do if you're going to preach enthusiasm and things like that, let those guys work for their tickets. Well, I, like I, I, it's unbelievable. I think the one thing I will say, all, all these SEC jobs have started to figure it out. Auburn, Alabama. They've got coaches that want to market their program as much as they want to yes. baseball. Five, Ingo, four, you got to be that in the football three, school. Three, two, one. You're up. Oh, deep into this Friday night we go ahead of a huge college hoops Saturday. Already tonight, folks. Illinois falling in College Park to Maryland. Then road teams. They can get it done, too, and Michigan State did that at the all-too-hard place to normally get a road win in Madison at the Kohl Center. Sparty beating Wisconsin. John Fanta, Kevin Sweeney, Terrence Oglesby with you on Sirius XM yeah. Channel 84. It is Field of 68 after dark. Saturday is highlighted by perhaps the biggest home game in Auburn men's basketball history. This is a broadcast TV game on Saturday. It is Auburn. It is Kentucky. It is John Calipari. It is Bruce Pearl. It is Ty Ty Washington of the Wildcats. He just keeps on getting better. 
It is Jabari Smith, who could be the number one pick come June, and the Tigers. And one of the keys for this Tigers season is actually a transfer who started his career at Eastern Kentucky University. I'm talking about Wendell Green Jr. The Detroit product joined us earlier on the field of 68. Here's our conversation here on Sirius XM Channel 84. Joined by Auburn Tigers sophomore star Wendell Green Jr. He had 12 points, 11 assists in the win over Georgia on Wednesday night. Now the Tigers welcome in Kentucky on Saturday. Wendell, your story is so fascinating. I was reading about you, and one of the things uh, that I read was that when you were four years old, your dad was having you play against the five, the six-year-olds to really establish that. Uh, competitive nature what was that like growing up uh I mean I always was with older guys you know playing against older people um all the way up until like eighth or ninth grade so it just pushed me you know I was always the smallest guy you know which is how it is now but it always pushed me just to go out there with a chip on my shoulder and just do whatever it takes to win and I, I think that's kind of my mentality now and that's why um I'm seeing success What's the biggest lesson that your dad, Wendell Sr., has taught you? Uh, if I had to pick one, I probably, like I said, like probably just keeping a chip on my shoulder. You know, I feel like that's what, that's what pushes me, you know, every day. You know, just knowing that, you know, people doubted me. Um, they didn't see me playing at this level. So just always remembering those things when every time I go out on the court, um, that pushes me to be the best I can be. <clears throat> you talk about that size and that if people mm-hmm. look at you, might, might think that, that you're smaller or they may have counted you out. They doubted you at one point. Who did you always watch growing up in the NBA? Who, who was maybe an idol or a couple of guys that you always looked up to that you tried to take things from? Uh, I would have to say I didn't get to watch him live, but Isaiah Thomas from the Bad Boys Pistons. Uh, that was my dad's favorite player, so you know he kind of passed it down to me, and um, that's probably that's one player that I always just watched, you know, and tried to take some skills from his game. Um, he was the toughest player out there, you know, all the time. So I think that's one of the key things that stuck with me. But that would be one player that I always watched. That's a smaller guard. Nothing like those bad boys Pistons teams, right? No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I sense that toughness in you, and it intrigues me because. In a feature story I read, in the first 15 minutes that your name was in the transfer portal, you got 10, 10 phone calls? Yeah. What was it that separated Auburn from all the other calls? Uh, really, you know, once I broke it down, probably to like six or seven schools, um, Auburn just, you know, the success. You know, I could see winning, coming here. Um, you know, the success of smaller guards that's come through here. Uh, and then, honestly, just like the Zoom calls I had with the coaching staff, uh, it just felt right, you know, and I feel like I made the, the best decision I could have made. Give us something behind the scenes. I don't know if it's a saying. I don't know if it's a story. I'm not sure if it's something that emotions. 
Your favorite, your favorite Bruce Pearl ism. Uh, man, I, I don't know what I could say on here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. You know, he just motivates us um, just to be the best. You know, just to go out there. We want to win. You know, we want to win championships. So just really, he's all. He's a great motivator, um, and he pushes us just to be the best we can be every day. What could make this Auburn group the best team in the country? I would say it would all start on the defensive end. You know, we got smaller guards that uh, guard, and then we got uh, the best rim protection in the country. You know, so I feel like no matter if our shots are falling or not, it's always going to be our defense. And once we really start to do that on a nightly basis, uh, just lock in on defense, I think we'll be the best team in the country. We all get to, to see what you do, the fantastic plays that you make, and we also get to see the fantastic plays that Jabari Smith makes. What we don't see is who he is inside the practice facility, who he is on campus, who he is when you guys are just hanging out. Tell us who is Jabari Smith to you, and, and maybe if there's a story that might reflect who he is. Uh, he's just a humble guy, you know, um, and he wants to work and he wants to be great. He doesn't talk about the future too much. You know, he knows he knows he's going to go top three, maybe number one pick overall, but he won't he won't talk about it. He doesn't bring it up. He, he's in the moment, you know. He wants to do what we all want to do this year, which is win a championship. So I feel like that's probably the one – that's probably the most, you know, surprising thing to me about him is just he doesn't care about the future right now. He wants to do this for his teammates. He doesn't care if he gets 20 points a night. Um, he's just all about his teammates. All right, rapid fire. Go a little bit beyond basketball here. Your mm. favorite meal? Uh, spaghetti. I like spaghetti. I'm all in on that. That's, that's, fantastic. that's the perfect answer right off the bat. Your three artists that you're listening to, maybe on a plane ride, a long plane ride, what are, what are you jamming to? Uh, Lil Baby, Gunna, and then Future. I'll say Future, too. Best show or movie that you've recently streamed? <laughs> Step Brothers. Uh, it's, it's the best. Yeah, that's, yeah, do, you, do you have a Step Brothers type of buddy on the team that, that you guys just are always linking? Uh, I would say probably Jabari, KD, um, those two, Al, those three for sure. Like, those are my closest guys on the team. What do you expect? that home atmosphere to be like on Saturday when Kentucky comes to town? Uh, well, it was crazy last night against Georgia. So, I mean, it's going to be something I can't even imagine, you know. It's, I've probably, like, I compared it to the first game that we had this year. I feel like that was our loudest game. I think it will be back there, you know, school's back, second home game since school's back. But it's going to be crazy, you know. It's like a dream out there. Well, I know Green Jr., he comes in off the bench, but as his coach, Bruce Pearl, said, it's not about who starts the game, it's about who finishes. And he wants him to finish, and that's exactly what you've been doing for your Auburn Tigers second-ranked team in America. Good luck against Kentucky on Saturday, Wendell. Thanks for the time okay. here on Field of 68 After Dark. Appreciate you.
Thanks again to Wendell Green Jr. of the Auburn Tigers for joining us. Loved some of those things he had to say. He's a spaghetti lover. He loves listening to a little baby. He talked about his father, Wendell Sr. I love the fact that when he was four years old, Wendell Jr. was playing in the six-year-old leagues. He was always getting leveled up, and he said that's what created a chip on his shoulder. He's been such a vital part to this Auburn Tigers team as we begin to wrap things up on the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84. Gentlemen, we got a couple minutes. Auburn, Kentucky, T.O. What determines who wins the battle between the Tigers and Wildcats on Saturday afternoon? I think guard play is about – it's about a push because both teams have really good guard play. The, the key to the game is Keon Brooks and how he's going to deal with probably the number one pick of the draft. Like, that's going to be a huge thing uh, offensively for Auburn. If Jabari's going to be able to get loose, it could get dangerous in a hurry. On the other end, Walker Kessler and Oscar Shibway, that is an intriguing matchup because Shibway is going to get in his body. He's going to push him around in the post. But Walker Kessler, even though he's much thinner, He's just so long that he's going to be able to recover anyway. And I think that's a big-time matchup at the four and the five position. The interior game for both teams is what's going to end up carrying it because I feel like they have somewhat similar guards, somewhat. But uh, Katie Johnson, I've said it before, I'll say it again, runs on nightmare fuel. Him against Ty Ty Washington. I'm interested to see how the freshman handles that guy because that guy is a little bit crazy. Sweeney, what happens in this game? I think the key comes down to Auburn's two guards, uh, Wendell Green and Katie Johnson. I think it's so imperative that you manage your emotions in a game like this, right? And, and, and T.O., you can talk about this, but this atmosphere is probably going to be as crazy as anything we've seen in college basketball year. We, we've seen the videos online. I mean, the entire Auburn campus is apparently like – camped out outside of uh, of the arena trying to get into this thing you know we're still 12 hours before this thing even tips off 13 hours before it tips off i mean it, it is a mob scene and i almost how- wonder about the energy for auburn more so than i worry about the energy for kentucky like is auburn going to come out too jacked up right. and can't get is their their important players get two fouls like that's and, a big thing to watch out and for. that's what i'm most worried about with kd and wendell green because kd in particular like you said he's just like a an energizer bunny he's crazy if you take that guy and you give him an extra 20% boost of this moment, is he going to be too nuts, right? Is Wendell Green going to go out? He, he's an explosive player. You saw the plays he made against, against Alabama, you know, making plays in ball screens. What happens if he's a little too revved up? He needs to meet the moment in this game. And if those two guards meet the moment, I trust this Auburn front court against Kentucky's as much as I trust anyone's to deal with Oscar Sheepway, right? I, mean, Sheepway worth, is, I, love, I love that that term, meet the moment. I, 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 not to interrupt yep. you, and I'm so sorry. We got meet 30 seconds. We got 30 seconds. I think Severe Wheeler's got to meet the moment, too. If Kentucky's going to have any chance, Severe Wheeler's got to play a composed game. A guy like Zeb Jasper is so big in this. We got 25 seconds. Terrence, who wins, Auburn or Kentucky? Give me Auburn at home with all the emotion. Sweeney. Kentucky pulls the upset on the road. Ooh. I've got the Tigers. Give me Auburn. In the heavyweight showdown, that's going to do it for us. For Terrence Oglesby, for Kevin Sweeney, for our producer, Dagan Hughes, I'm John Fanta. This has been Feel the 68 After Dark on Sirius XM Channel 84.
your clear on SiriusXM. All right, it's time for the Field of 68 After Dark Afters. <laughs> you know, I'm so excited about this game. Here's another thing. How many times have we seen Auburn dictate what happens on the interior this year? Like, that's been a constant for Auburn. Walker Kessler, Dylan Cardwell, who, if I was stuck in a back alley and needed someone to help me, I'd be calling him. That guy doesn't – he – he takes no prisoners. He's a shutdown shop blocker too. And then you have Jabari Smith. Like at some point, somebody's got to own what happens in the front court against Auburn to beat them. Yep. Oscar Shibway, it's all on his plate. That's the one thing about Kentucky is they don't have a great complimentary player to Shibway, but they haven't needed one with how good Shibway can be at times. Right, Kev? No, I, I mean – there is no player that impacts a game more with his rebounding than Oscar Sheepway does. I mean, if you look at Kentucky's Ken Palm page, I have never seen a team be this good on both the offensive and the defensive boards. I mean, they wreck people time in and time out. And I think it's so critical for Walker Kessler to just slow Sheepway down, right? Make, you know, don't let him get 20 boards. Don't let him get 10 offensive rebounds. Don't give Kentucky all these second chances because they've got so many good shooters that when she was getting an offensive board, he's either dunking it or he's kicking it out. And those, those threes off of offensive rebounds are the toughest thing to guard and they feel automatic. I mean, I think I shoot 80% on, on, on threes off offensive rebounds. It just feels like that sometimes. And so, you know, I think Walker Kessler just has to manage it with Chibwe because he's just so dominant on the glass. He's not an elite post scorer, but he's going to get his 20 just because he is such an elite nose for the ball. And I think if, if you're Walker Kessler, you just got to find a way, you know, volleyball, sl slap the ball back out into the, onto the perimeter, do whatever you have to do to keep the ball out of Oscar's hands when it goes up on the board. Hmm. I think that when I look at Auburn, they have more options than Kentucky. On paper, there's there's no question about that. When you talk about KD Johnson, when you talk about Wendell Green Jr. and the fact that he comes in off the bench, for Kentucky to win this game, they got to let Ty Ty be Ty Ty. Ty Ty Washington has to have that leash just let loose, and you got to say, hey, we're willing to live with whatever happens in this game because for us to win, he's got to be the best player on the floor. And the fact is, right now, when Auburn plays somebody, Jabari Smith is the best player on the floor. At least that's the way it's been. This is where the test, T.O., which we've brought up on the DTF podcast, Douster, uh, Coach T.O., and, and myself, John Fanta. This is where Severe Wheeler, being a part of Kentucky's best, gets tested, does it not? Because if, if you're going to win this game and you're Kentucky, yes, Ty Ty's got to be your lead scorer. But Severe Wheeler's got to be composed in an atmosphere like this. And I think the fact that the fact that the Georgia transfer has seen SEC basketball, has seen big time, big time games. Like I, I like that about Severe Wheeler on this stage. I think he's probably the he he's certainly not the best player for Kentucky. Far from it. But he might be the most important piece in this game. Because John Calipari's talked about the fact they need a composed Wheeler to play alongside Ty Ty. 
Yeah, they do. And it's actually not a bad matchup game for him. Him and Wendell Green are about the same size and they're both tough. So I actually think, you know, it's obviously a game about guards, but I think they cancel each other out. I think Wendell Green's a better shooter, obviously. And man, he takes some tough shots. Goodness, he takes some tough shots. What to re- refer back to Ty Ty Washington? I think the most intriguing thing is going to be him and Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson's 11th in the country in steal rate. He steals the ball uh, basically out of guys' hands. He's in the passing lane, sure, but like his ball pressure and how hard that Auburn plays, it's it's an interesting dynamic because because Auburn gets up so far towards the half court, they open up the floor. That's when Kentucky's best. So you're going to see, I think you're going to see a high scoring game. I don't know what the over under is, but if I was a gambling man and I'm not sure I am boys, I'm not sure I am, but I I would venture to be part of the overs club because I think this is going to be a wide open game. That's going to go up and down with a lot of pressure. And that, that'll get, gets to guards getting downhill with not a whole lot of help because this floor is so spread out. Mm. The spread on this game is three and a half. Auburn three and a half. Auburn by three and a half. I I mean, Kevin over under. uh, I could I could get it here off our friends from Bet Rivers, because To likes the over. Yeah, I'm curious. I I kind of lean with To like whatever the number is. I think it's going higher than that because I I think when you let Severe Wheeler just run up and down the floor. You're gonna get a lot of open shots, and you're gonna get a lot of good shots for Ty Ty, and a lot of good open shots for Kellen Grady, and those guys knock them down. And Auburn's got guys who can run up and down the floor. Kessler moves well. One forty nine. Yeah. Oh, hammer yeah. <laughs> the over. Give me the over. We say gotta, that. We say that. But like, <laughs> I have a. Proposal. There could be so much emotion. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Fanta. I have a proposal. Big one. If Auburn wins this game. By more than 15 points, I would vote them number one in the country on Monday. I would if vote they win this game, period. By 10. Yeah, I, I, I vote them number one if they win by one. So should I, they overtake Gonzaga? If they win this game, should they overtake Gonzaga? Absolutely. They should have last week, in my opinion. It's a better team right now. Are they the I, better team in April? I, I think if they play each other right now, I'm picking Auburn because – Drew Timmy struggled with athletic bigs mm-hmm. and, and I Auburn has that and they have guards who can, they, they can throw waves of guards defensively at Nimbard. I think, I think Auburn's a matchup nightmare for anybody because of how hard they play and they have shooting and they have the best shot blocker in the country and Walker Kessler, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I think I've been a, a staunch Gonzaga defender kind of throughout the season. <laughs> I think it's I think it's really close right now. And if Auburn goes out and beats Kentucky tomorrow and does it convincingly, right? I don't I don't care if it's eight points or twelve points. If if it's convincing, if they control this game, it would be hard for me not to you know come. And I look, I think a lot of people kind of frame it as like Auburn has a lot to prove, and you know, can they get to number one? Can they overtake the crown jewel program in this league? Look, I think Kentucky's got a whole lot to prove. Because I think Kentucky, every time it's felt like they've turned a corner, they've laid an egg. And, and they, they found a way on the road in College Station this week. It was not pretty. It was, it was certainly not like the 107 they put on Tennessee. You know, th- that was a flash performance. College Station was not pretty. So I think Kentucky has a whole lot to prove in this ballgame that they are 
a top 10 team, that they are a final four contender. Because at times we've seen Kentucky said that that's a heck of a ball club. And at other times, it's been a pretty mediocre Kentucky team. We look back to the Notre Dame game where they really struggled to score. Um, we look back to some of the bye games where they couldn't couldn't separate. You know, there have been some shaky, you know, the LSU game where they couldn't score. I, I'm looking to see how, how do they meet this moment. I think with the tempo, it's going to be fun. It's going to be up and down. I think Kentucky's going to put points up on the board. I think Ty Ty's finding his flow. But we still need to see it. We still need to prove it. And this is a huge game for Kentucky to prove that they are, they are right there in this national conversation. All right, let's open up the chat. James Little says, should I hammer Auburn and Miami money line? <laughs> now, okay, we've, ta- we've talked about Auburn. Miami is taking on Florida State. Great game down there. That great should be a great down. game. I, look, I wouldn't be hammering that. I'm not hammering anything against Leonard Hamilton. I could see Florida State winning that game. Miami might be due here for an out. No, I, I think they lost up at Tallahassee last time on a ridiculous end-of-the-game call where I didn't think Charlie Moore I, – I don't know if you guys saw it, but I they drive it. down to the about 10 feet out. He goes up. I, I didn't think there was a foul call. Sorry, Seminole fans. Like – Miami should have won that game or it should have gone into overtime. I thought it was a crazy call. Miami's going to win that game tomorrow. I think it's going to be a great game to watch mm. because you you have guards for Miami that can really play and create off the dribble. In order to beat Florida State, you have to have that kind of player because they eliminate ball movement, completely eliminate it because they have so many guys around the perimeter that get out of the passing lane. So you have to have guys that can create for themselves. How is – Wake Forest only a point and a half point favorite over North Carolina at home. That place is going to be rocking. I like Wake tomorrow. I like them by 10. I'm going with the fighting Forbes over the Tar Heels. Yeah, it's pretty easy call in my opinion. And, and might I say, might I say, I think you both look terrific today. That is an excellent button down shirt. And dang it, Sweeney, don't let anybody talk bad about that beautiful apartment you got there. I got a polo on. I'm tired of people talking about my clothes. This is a basketball <laughs> podcast. We're over here talking about my clothes. What are we doing? Okay. All right. We got to, <laughs> we got to clear the air. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't sure here, but you know what? It's time. It's time to clear the air. We've had a commenter here tonight all night. He goes by James not James Little. James Little's been good tonight. We have a commenter here tonight in the YouTube chat. They see Jones, B-K-L-Y-N. They see Jones, Brooklyn. <laughs> and they see Jones says, Villanova has high standards. It's a school based on professionalism. If Jay Wright is disrespectful to the school, he has to go simple as that. And he was referring earlier to the fact that Jay Wright has been wearing quarter zips and he says that he's the polyester prince of Philadelphia and that he's acting in a manner unbecoming to Villanova by dressing poorly. They see Jones, shut up. (laughs) Right now. Let's stop. Why? Why are you so fixated on what a man is wearing to work? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He <laughs> writes one more games and more trophies than you've ever even seen in your lifetime. Okay. Go find a hobby outside of what Jay writes wearing as he's ruling the big East conference. So, child, please, <laughs> please stop. 
talking about what Jay Wright is wearing. Not only is it strange, it makes it sound like you have a weird obsession over him wearing suits. So please <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. Facey uh, Jones, Brooklyn, go back to where you came from. <laughs> because it wasn't on the main line. Well, I'm so tired of this guy. And I'm so tired. It is the most old. I'm sorry. If you're on the other side of this, I'm sorry. <laughs> please stop yelling up at, to, up at the clouds and arguing that the coaches should go back to wearing suits. It, it, you know what, folks? If they're winning games and I'm a fan of that team, I'd watch him in a Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's one coach in the country that has to wear a suit, and that's Mike Woodson because they're undefeated when he wears the suit. So Mike Woodson, please keep wearing the suit because it's fun to watch and, and the, it's taking on a life zone. Everybody else, 357 other schools, wear whatever you like, please. Folks, I'm a Browns fan, okay? I, I'm not kidding you. It was at a point where I would have watched the coach run out with the team nude. <laughs> if they would have won the game, I don't care what you're wearing, man. I'm paying attention to football. Okay. I am so sick and tired of hearing about what coaches are wearing. Nobody cares. Please stop. What, what about what podcasters are wearing? Do, do we have oh thoughts my on that? God. Uh, yeah. I wore a button down tonight. Are you happy for me? Yeah. I was looking sloppy in my, my dorm room here. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, people come on. Is this guy still in the chat? He, he so. isn't, he isn't pushing P that's for damn sure. Hey, look, let me ask you a question. Uh, he talked about Duke and Syracuse. That was a heck of a rant. First of all, look fantastic Fanta. I'm just going to throw that in there. I wanted to talk about this because I'm not sure how long we're going to be going Duke and Syracuse at Duke. Duke is definitely going to win that game. I'm not sure what the spread is, but the fact that Duke's so big and attacked the offensive glass, good to go. Good to go. There's something about the uh, you know Duke at the Dome that always seems to create a close game, even when it makes no sense. But there is literally no logic that I can find for Syracuse. Like, yeah, but this, this game's game. a Cameron indoor. Yeah, it's a Cameron. Even worse, even worse. Yeah, that there's no logic here that that Syracuse hangs in this game, other than that. Well, Buddy Duke Beheim has makes been like seven threes. Yeah, well, Duke has been a little inconsistent from the perimeter. I guess I would worry about. That. I mean, they've been better. But like they're so athletic, could, they should they just be able to slash through that zone. It's a really no, bad hundred percent. Yeah, it is. Like it's not but this it's not year. A good this year, three. yeah, this this year it, it especially is because there's no athleticism on the bottom wings. Go ahead, Fanta. Final toast here. Final toast. Uh, I'm gonna toast. <laughs> I'm gonna toast Jason Joseph A. Bank and Men's Warehouse. <laughs> I hope I, I hope they're continuing their business here. Uh, as as they uh, as they forge on through the winter months, because I'm sorry uh, that Jay Wright ain't walking through your doors and buying. All right, so I'm I'm gonna toast toast all those. Look, I hope that all the tailors in America are are still functioning properly. But folks, come on with the wardrobe stuff. So I'm also gonna toast Coach Tio. He's making the best dad move ever tomorrow. He's taking his son to Monster Truck. I only wish like that is a dream day for a son. I love that you're taking the family to monster truck. Cheers to that. I'll drink to that. I'll definitely drink to that. So thank you, sir. All right. My toast uh -huh. is the John Fantas chair. 
<laughs> it held strong for a while. It could didn't quite make it through the sixty, uh, but it, but it fought hard for you today, John. You know, we appreciate I, it. I hope, I hope that Bob Knight threw a chair on this day. <laughs> I'm guessing that he did because I just I just caught it here in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's what I'm thinking right now is that I ended up with that chair. I went on the edge of it. I got so excited for our Wendell Green Jr. interview. And the chair, folks, just, it went, okay? Um, <laughs> no words. No words. Hey, this is going to be a really fun college basketball Saturday. And if, you, and if you didn't know it, we'll be back with you 11 Eastern time tonight on Field of 68 After Dark. You got to let T.O. toast here. Come on. I know. I know. I know. Oh, no, okay. No, no. I thought I was being there. forgotten. I thought I was a forgotten we're, man here. We're going to get there. I thought you were toasted to, to the monster truck, but I'm going to get to you. Hey, at the people in let's toast to Auburn too. all those fans. You're taking them all. You're taking them all. I was going to say we have Shashevsky bill. Now we got, what is it? Pearl town. Like, I don't know what we should call it. Pearl town, Pearl city, city of pearls, city of pearls. City of Pearls, City of Pearls, Pearls. let's go. You want to name Auburn, you've got a name. City of Pearls, student section, getting going against Kentucky. What a game it's going to be. Take the over. Let's do it. Mm. Take the over, City of Pearls, after dark afters, absolutely epic. Sweeney's going to go host a frat party. (laughs) T.O.'s going to gear up for monster trucks. I'm hitting the hay and getting up in eight hours to head to Madison Square Garden for Seton Hall St. John's. Thank you for listening and watching to feel the 68 after dark. Sweeney, you look like you got something to say. No, I, I just can't believe the last 15 minutes of, of show we just <laughs> For our producer, Dagan Hughes, and for Kevin Sweeney and Terrence Oglesby, this is John Fanta saying good Saturday morning to all of you. Grab your popcorn for what's going to be one hell of a college hoops Saturday. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.